This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Welcome to the Taylor Merrick Podcast, the three-in-one podcast on finances, business, and technology. Podcasting to you from the studios of TaylorMerrick.com, located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Here's your host, Taylor Merrick. Welcome back to another episode in the Taylor Merrick Podcast. This is episode number 11. If you'd like to subscribe to this feed, go out to TaylorMerrick.com, click on the podcast link, and from there you can subscribe or listen to it in any player you desire. You can also listen to it live right on the site. You just click on the play now button and, and it'll start playing for you. I also encourage you to take the survey located at taylormerrick.com on the website. I place it in a more prominent position so you can see it and click it easier. Still blue button. says listener surveys on the right hand side more up near the top so when the page loads it should be right there. Also a new feature, they I now offering a toolbar, and that toolbar will show you the weather. You can also, when you're surfing the web, click the play button and listen to any podcast you desire, and listen to it uninterrupted, unless of course you disconnect from the internet, or any other problem happens to it. There's also a couple resources listed out there. It shows how many listeners are subscribed to the feed, and you can also search, use it just like a regular search engine, like a regular toolbar. Uh, and there's also an Alexa toolbar. I encourage you to get that. That'll be posted on the site soon as well. I am also looking forward to any questions pertaining to finances, business, and technology. Looking forward to any comments about the podcast that you might have or if you have any topic ideas. Uh, if you're wondering what kind of question should I ask, you could ask a simple question, phone it in 866-TMP-2860. You can phone it in and just say something like, well, what is good debt? Or 
how do I get more sales for my business or why should I not use flash for my website any question that you have anything that you want an answer to call it in and also email me just simply go out to taylormerrick.com click on the contact me link up at the top and from there you can write me an email I read all comments and try to improve on it but I look forward to every comment question or idea that you'll have for today's episode finances is getting the best buy part one for business it is an idea learned from Lincoln and for technology it'll be Apple's response to zoom so to get started in finances getting the best buy part one there's 15 basic steps to getting the best buy for any product that you want today I'll give you the first seven next week I will give you the other eight but for number one relate money to the time required to earn it the first step in getting the best buy is to learn the value of money value is understood by comparison and time is an important basis of comparison for example if you and your family decide to eat out at a restaurant and the bill comes to thirty dollars how long would it take you to earn the money if you made ten dollars an hour the answer is not three hours you must figure in your direct cost in making the money such as transportation and taxes your net hourly wage may only be seven dollars per hour thus it would require over four working hours or half a day's wages to pay for that meal not counting transportation to the restaurant and tips so number one basic step to getting the best buy is relate money to the time required to earn it number two is compare cost with other things that could be bought consumer tunnel vision destroys the potential of good buys tunnel vision involves evaluating a product without any reference to what that same money could buy in other areas by comparing items with other items we not only have a further basis of value we also have signals to make either make a purchase or to continue shopping if for example you are planning out to buy a car for twenty thousand realize that you could buy a new car of another make for half that amount and earn interest on remaining ten thousand dollars just compare it with other things that could be bought and that'll be tip number two another step number three is figure savings by percentages not cents a wise and wealthy businessman explained why it was important to save two cents on a can of soup if one can costs ten cents and another can of equal quality and quantity costs eight cents you should buy the eight cent can those who listened to his counsel could not understand why a multi-millionaire would talk about saving two cents until he explained its significance you are not just saving two cents you are saving twenty percent just think of how much you could reduce your whole food bill if you reduced it by twenty percent furthermore you cannot get that greater return on interest from a bank this kind of thinking helps to show why this man is multi-millionaire and his counsel is confirmed by the teachings of Christ which says Luke 16:10, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much tip number three 
figure savings by percentages, not cents. A good buy is not paying more than is necessary for a product or service, or you don't want to go overboard or underboard if you want to put it in weight. Tip number four is put all earnings directly into the bank. Now you might be wondering, well, why would I say that? Is because if you have cash on hand, you're more likely to go out and buy something and use that money up rather than have it put in a bank and held on to for more important things. Getting the best buy requires that you carefully guard an account for every dollar. When your paycheck is not immediately deposited in a bank, but instead is cashed and used for personal expenditures, unwise decisions are usually made and record keeping is much more difficult. The account into which you deposit your money should be interest bearing if you want to earn interest on it. But still, put all earnings directly into the bank. That'll save you time, trouble, and unneeded expenses and money lost. Tip number five, carry as little cash as necessary. And that sort of relates to number four, carry number four, put all earnings directly into the bank. Number five is carry as, as little cash as necessary. Its story goes, one day a young man complained to his employer that his $250 a week paycheck was not sufficient to meet his expenses. His employer asked if he was buying a home. He said no. His rental payments were very small. His employer asked if he owned his own car. He replied that he was still making payments on his car. The employer then shocked him by asking, you have been working here for 10 years. What do you have to show for the 150000 that we have already paid you? At first, the young man could not believe that he had actually made that much money. It was equally hard for him to realize that he had gone through that much money with nothing to show for it. This young man had made it a practice to carry large amounts of money with him and to, spend on, and to freely spend it on things that had little or no lasting value. Tip number six, or step number six, know what you want before shopping. You might see the reasoning behind this, but I'll make it obvious. If you make a list and know what you want before shopping, that'll save you a lot of unnecessary expenditures. A wise buyer will make a list of items he needs to buy before he goes shopping. There are several important purposes in doing this. Displays in stores are designed to promote impulse buying. A lot of people are impulse buyers. Without a prearranged list, you are very likely to buy more than you need. By listing what you need beforehand, you can contact the store if you choose to make sure that they have what you are looking for. This will save travel time, let you know the cost of the item, and indicate whether you need to do further shopping in order to get the best buy. And the last tip or step is number seven focus on the buy not your bank balance extravagance begins by thinking about how much money you will have left in your bank account rather than thinking am I getting the most value for each dollar spent a wise buyer may have ten thousand dollars in savings if he considers buying an item for a hundred dollars he will not say to himself I will have nine thousand nine hundred left in my account such thinking leads to slothfulness in investigating products and it encourages others to take advantage of the slothful buyer. Only after deciding that he is getting the best buy will a wise buyer look at his resulting bank balance. So in summary, 
Step number one, relate money to the time required to earn it. Number two, compare cost with other things that could be bought. Number three, figure savings by percentages, not cents. Number four, put all earnings directly into the bank. Number five, carry as little cash as necessary. Number six, know what you want before shopping. And number seven, focus on the buy, not your bank balance. Part two will be coming next week. And I also have a good poem that was published in 1917. And I will show you how it will relate to today's situation that we have. This poem is called Cassandra and is by Edwin Arlington Robinson. And if you want to look at it beforehand, you can go ahead and do that. Otherwise, I'll be giving a summary of it and what I think about the poem and how true it is to today. And that'll wrap it up for finances. For business, it is an idea learned from Lincoln on how to make friends. And this is from Frank Betcher's book, How I Raised Myself from Failure to Success in Selling. It goes, One day as I was leaving the office of a young attorney, I made a remark which caused him to look up at me in surprise. It was my first call on him, and I had failed to interest him the slightest bit in what I was trying to sell. But what I said as I started to leave interested him immediately. Here is all I said. Mr. Barnes, I believe you've got a great future ahead of you. I'll never annoy you, annoy you, but if you don't mind, I'm going to keep in touch with you from time to time. What do you mean I've got a great future, asked the young lawyer. I knew by the way he spoke he thought I was just handing him some cheap flattery. I said, I heard you speak a couple weeks ago at the Siegel Hometown Association meeting, and I thought you made one of the finest speeches I have ever heard. That wasn't only my opinion. I wish you could have heard some of the fine things I heard our members say after you left. Was he pleased? He seemed thrilled. I asked him how he happened to get started speaking in public. He talked for some time, and when I left, he said, Come in and see me any time, Mr. Betcher. Over a period of years, that man built a large law practice. In fact, he became one of the most successful lawyers in the city. I kept in close touch with him, and as he grew and prospered, I was able to do more and more business with him. We became good friends and one of my best centers of influence. Finally, he became counsel for such companies as the Pennsylvania Sugar Refining Company, Midvale Company, and Horn and Hardart, a baking company. He was elected to the board of directors of some of these companies. Later, he retired from active practice and accepted one of the highest honors a man can have bestowed on him by his state. He became Justice of the Supreme Court of the State of Pennsylvania. His name was H. Edgar Barnes. I never did stop telling Edgar Barnes how much I believed in him. Frequently he told me confidentially of his progress. I shared his happiness with him, and more than once I said, I always knew you were going to be one of the leading lawyers of Philadelphia. Justice Barnes never mentioned it to me directly, but remarks made by mutual friends gave me the feeling that the encouragement I gave him along the way had just a little bit to do with his remarkable su success. Do men like you 
to show them that you believe in them and expect bigger things of them. If your interest is sincere, I don't know of anything they appreciate more. We hear a lot about the starving people of Europe and China, but there are millions of people starving right here in America. Thousands of people right in your city and my city are hungry, hungry for honest praise and appreciation. Abraham Lincoln wrote something many years ago about winning friends. It is old, but it has helped me so much that I am going to repeat it here. If you could win a man to your cause, first convince him that you are his sincere friend. Therein is the drop of honey that catches his heart, which is the high road to his reason, and which, when once gained, you will find but little trouble in convincing his judgment of the justice of your cause, if indeed that cause be a just one. Years ago, I was referred to a young clerk working in the Girard Trust Company in Philadelphia. He was then 21 years of age. I managed to make a small sale to him. One day after I got to know him better, I said, Clint, someday you're going to be president of the Gearhard Trust Company or one of its high officials. He laughed at me, but I insisted. No, I'm serious. Why shouldn't you? What's going to stop you? You've got all the natural qualifications. You're young, ambitious, make a gr excellent appearance. You've got a grand personality. Remember, all the officers of this bank were just clerks all at one time. Some day they will pass on or retire. Somebody will take their place. Why shouldn't you be one? You'll do it if you want to. I urged him to take an advanced course in banking and a course in public speaking. He took those courses. Then one day the employees were called into a meeting and one of the officers told them about a problem confronting the bank. He said the officers wanted the benefit of any suggestions from the employees. My young friend Clinton Stiefel got up at that meeting and gave them his idea on the problem. He put his talk across with so much confidence and enthusiasm it surprised everybody. Friends gathered around him after the meeting and congratulated him and said they were amazed how they were amazed he could speak so well. The next day, the officer who had conducted the meeting called Clinton to his office, paid him a high compliment, and said the bank was going to adopt one of his suggestions. It wasn't long afterward that Clinton Stiefel was made head of a department. Where is he today? Clinton S. Stiefel is vice president of the Provident Trust Company, one of the oldest and finest banking institutions in Pennsylvania. Mr. Stiefel goes out of his way to recommend me to others, and when he has bought insurance personally from time to time, I haven't had to worry about competition. Many years ago, I went to see two friends of mine, promising young businessmen, but they seemed to be depressed. So I gave them a pep talk. I told them of the fine things I often heard about them in a trade from big concerns, long-established businesses, their competitors. I reminded them of their small beginning in only one room only five years before. I asked them this question, how did you ever get started in this business? This got them both laughing and talking about their early hardships, some I'd never heard before. I told them I didn't know of anybody in their line of business who had a more brilliant outlook for the future than they had. It seemed to revive their spirits to hear that they were now regarded by their competitors as being among the leaders in their industry. They probably knew this, but evidently no one had given them any praise for so long that it was just what the doctors ordered. When I left, the younger of the two men walked out to the elevator with me, his arm over my shoulder. 
As I stepped on the elevator, he laughed and said, Come in every Monday morning, Frank, and give us a pep talk, will you? I did go back there many times over the years and gave them pep talks, including talks about what I had to sell. These men continued to grow and prosper, and the business I did with them grew too. I have been inspired by reading about a few great men in history, but my biggest inspiration and some of the best ideas I have ever learned have come from the men I have done business with and friends I have made. As I profited by their ideas, I have made it a point to tell them about it. I find that people love to hear that they have helped you. Let me give you just one example. I was talking one day with Morgan H. Thomas, then sales manager of the Garrett Buchanan Paper Company in Philadelphia. I said, Morgan, you have been a great inspiration to me. You have helped me make more money and enjoy better health. Did he believe me? He said, what are you trying to do, kid me? No, I said, I mean exactly what I said. A few years ago, your president, Mr. Sinex, told me that you came to work here when you were just a boy and you had to get in at 7 o'clock in the morning and sweep the place out before anyone else arrived. Now, he said, Morgan is sales manager, but he still gets in at 7 o'clock in the morning. He's still the first man in this place every morning. Well, I thought, to get in here at 7 o'clock means that Morgan Thomas must get up no later than 6. And if he can get up at 6 o'clock in the morning and look as well as he does, I'm going to try it. So I did. I joined the 6 o'clock club, Morgan, and I feel better than I've ever felt in my life, and I get so much more done. You have helped me make more money. I know Mr. Thomas was happy to hear me say that he had helped me. Today, Morgan Thomas is president of the Garrett Buchanan Paper Company, second largest distributor of paper products in the United States. Morgan is one of my biggest clients, and I have sold most of the key men in that fine organization. Here is a question I have used countless times. How did you ever get started in this business, Mr. Ross? A man will generally answer, Well, that's a long story. When a man begins to open up and talk about his own business, I am always fascinated to hear how he got started, his small beginnings, his many difficulties, how he overcame them. It is a great romance to me. It is a greater romance to him. He rarely finds anyone interested enough to want to hear all about it. He loves to tell his story if you encourage him. If you are really interested and seem to be benefiting by his experiences, he'll sometimes go into great detail. After I leave him, I make notes of these things, where he was born, his wife's name, names of his children, his ambitions, and hobbies. I have these records on cards in my files dating back 25 years. Sometimes men are astonished that I remember so much about them. Being really interested in people has been of great help to me in opening up many warm and lasting friendships. There seems to be something magic in this question. How did you ever get started in this business? It has frequently helped me get favorable interviews with hard-boiled prospects who are too busy to see me. Let's just take one typical experience. Here's an actual interview with a busy wood tank manufacturer who apparently had only one thought in his mind about salesmen. Get rid of them. Mr. Ross, good morning. My name is Betcher of the Fidelity Mutual Life Insurance Company. Do you know Mr. Walker, Jim Walker? And a card of introduction to him with a personal notation from Jim Walker. Ross, looking very disagreeable, glances at that card, tosses it on desk and says angrily, Are you another salesman? Yes, but you're the tenth salesman who's been in here today. 
I've got too many important things to do. I can't be listening to salesmen all day. Don't bother me, see? I haven't got the time. I've stopped for just a moment to introduce myself to you, Mr. Ross. The purpose of my call is to make an appointment with you for tomorrow or later in the week. Is it early morning or late afternoon a better time to see you for about 20 minutes? I tell you I haven't any time to give the salesman. Fully a minute passes while I am interested in examining one of his products set up on the floor. Do you make these, Mr. Ross? Yes. After another minute looking it over, How long have you been in this business, Mr. Ross? Oh, twenty-two years. How did you ever happen to get started in this business? Mr. Ross leans back from work at desk and begins to warm up. Well, that's a long story. I went to work for John Doe Company when I was 17, worked my head off for them for 10 years, wasn't getting anywhere, so I struck out for myself. Were you born here in Cheltenham, Mr. Ross? No, I was born in Switzerland. Is that so? You must have come over here when you were very young. Mr. Ross says, smiling, Well, I left home when I was 14, lived in Germany for a while. Then I decided I wanted to come to America. It must have taken a lot of capital to get a big plant like this started. Well, I started this on $300, but worked it up to over $300,000. It must be very interesting to see the way these tanks are made. Ross gets up, goes over to the tank where I am standing. Yes, we're pretty proud of our tanks. We believe they're the best on the market. Would you like to go through the plant and see how they're made? I'd love it. Ross puts hand on my shoulder and takes me out into the plant. This man's name is Ernest Ross, principal owner of Ernest Ross and Sons, Cheltenham, Pennsylvania. I didn't sell him on that first call, but over a period of 16 years, I have made 19 sales to him and six of his seven sons that paid me well and enabled me to form a mighty happy association with them. So in summary, a quote from Lincoln, if you would win a man to your cause, first convince him that you are his sincere friend. Now have a friend, be a friend. Another reminder, encourage young men. Help a man see how he can be a success in life. Another tip, try to get a man to tell you what is his greatest ambition in life. Help him raise his sights. Number four, if anyone has inspired you or helped you in any way, don't keep it a secret. Tell him about it. And for the last one, ask a man, how did you happen to get started in this business? Then, be a good listener. And that will wrap it up for business. Next week will be, I became more welcome everywhere when I did this. What is this? You'll have to come back next week to find out. That is it for business. For technology, it is Apple's response to Zune. An article written by Newsweek Jobs dismisses Microsoft Zune as a potential iPod threat. In an interview published Sunday, Apple CEO Steve Jobs dismissed Microsoft's upcoming Zune digital media device as a threat to iPod. When asked if he was worried about Zune, Jobs replied in a word, no. Jobs also discussed Apple's efforts to keep record labels and a strategy to keep iTunes pricing where it is. The interview went on to ask Jobs if Microsoft claims that Zune was all about building communities worried him. 
After answering in a negative, Jobs dismissed Zune's ability to find other Zune users and share a song with them. It takes forever, said Jobs. By the time you've gone through all that, the girls got up and left. You're much better off to take one of your earbuds out and put it in her ear. Then you're connected with about two feet of headphone cable. In a somewhat uncharacteristic move, Jobs revealed some of Apple's behind-the-scenes efforts to bring the major record labels to iTunes when iPod was still a relatively minor hit with Mac users. And how much cost on iTunes or any songs? It cost 99 cents. And they're going to keep it at that price point because that is the most helpful. Plus, it keeps ordinary people from pirating music. If we go back now and raise prices, said Jobs, we will be violating that deal and start pirating. Many users will say, I knew it all along that the music companies were going to screw me, and now they're screwing me. And they would never buy anything from iTunes again. That's why the price point is kept where it is. For Zune, it is coming out November 14th, I think it is. It's coming out early November. Looking forward to how it is. And that will wrap it up for technology. I'd like to thank you for listening and tuning in to listen to episode number 11 of the Taylor Merrick podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas, call toll-free 866-TMP-2860. I'm looking forward to any and all comments that you might have. My name is Taylor Merrick, and I will see you next week. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.